And welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 157. I am your host, Nicholas Minix, and joining me as usual during the week is Eno Saris. Eno, how are you today? Doing good. That's good. I think considering that Tony LaRusso denied the report that uh, Kurt Gibson may not actually... Uh, he denied the report that Kurt Gibson is definitely coming back next season. That should delay you a little bit, even though <laughs> there's still a possibility. And... Uh, our favorite punching bags. <laughs> Terry Collins, I haven't seen any reports denying that he's actually still coming back, so that may depress you, as well as the fact that uh, I know your favorite pitcher, Mike Pelfrey, has now been ruled out for the rest of the season. <laughs> That's uh, top-shelf fantasy news right there. <laughs> we will begin uh, just with a couple of uh, items in some lineups here and start with uh, just – First of all, it's an opportunity to send our condolences to Starling Castro and his family. Uh, he'll be on bereavement leave for potentially up to a week. I suppose it could be even longer than that because uh, bereavement leave lasts only three to seven days. But uh, he had a tragedy in his family where a cousin and three friends were killed in a car accident in the Dominican Republic. So he'll be away for the team for, from the team for a while. Uh, we will get to see Javier Baez play some shortstop, uh, I guess, in, in, in that absence. Uh, but that is a terrible tragedy. And... Uh, Abasail Garcia, he has five for 16 with three extra base hits, including a home run since his return from uh, torn labrum in his shoulder that he had surgically repaired. Uh, this is, I mean, basically, I did not expect much in the way of production or at least power production uh, for him, at least the rest of this season. And, you know, maybe it would require at least the winter to kind of heal. It's a little surprising that he's performed this way. And he also, he had hit well in his minor league rehab assignment, but that doesn't necessarily tell us anything. Do you, again, this is obviously a super small sample size. You would have to think that this is at least a little inspiring. Uh, and uh, maybe I was perhaps easily too dismissive. No, I mean, it, it with a labrum injury, it could have, it could have led to a power outage. So um, at least it's nice to see him uh, with the extra base hits. And, uh, you know, as much as the homer alone, just the extra base hits, just that he's hitting the ball with authority on the way back. So that, you know, it's better than the, the opposite. We, we'd have to be talking about, you know, waiting, waiting it out and waiting till next year and stuff like that. So, you know, he could contribute this year. Um, my, uh, my questions about Garcia uh, have been mostly um, – just based on the numbers, because the scouts have always said that he's wiry strong and that there's there's power coming and um, that he's athletic and all these things. But the numbers um, have shown basically uh, what I would call poor uh, power numbers or maybe just average power numbers throughout his minor league career. So it's one of those things about scouting versus stats. Um, and, uh, you know, at 23, there's he's definitely pre-peak for power. So uh, maybe... You know, just a little bit of, um, you know, uh, optimism about his power future could be in order. Um, I do see a lot of swing and miss in the contact rate. And um, I wonder if he's going to be able to keep that strikeout rate around 20% or if it's going to rise in the future. But um, in general, this is definitely a guy that's, uh, that, you know, has been kind of forgotten uh, due to his injury and will. Um, struggle to put up, you know, 150 plate appearances or 200 plate appearances this year. So he'll be 
uh, a raw guy going into next year. But um, I think he may be undervalued just in terms of, um, you know, it's, it's funny. He might be overvalued based on some small sample power numbers this year, which are sure to look good, um, you know, no matter what. Or he may be undervalued based on uh, minor league numbers. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's what ultimately just kind of, I think the combination of the fact that the projectable power had yet to show up combined with this injury just seems so severe that this was just, it was asking way too much for this guy to contribute at all this season. And I saw a bunch of folks saying, pick him up, pick him up. Uh, probably, somebody probably dropped him in your league. And I just I just thought, uh, why bother? But I guess I could, uh, at least early return suggests that I could be way wrong about that. <laughs> But yeah, it'll be interesting, and in yeah, he's he's going to be an interesting fantasy commodity in the next couple of years uh, as that debate kind of quote unquote rages on. Rusni Castillo, we talked about him on Tuesday uh, rather a bit extensively about his kind of projections, and he just came out and said that he uh, or he's at least uh, somehow released to the media has uh, is, is come out that he wants to play this season should he sign with the team uh, in time, which has been anticipated that it could happen uh, by the end of this week, uh, or if not, maybe sometime next week. Um, that seems overly ambitious to me. Uh, do you think that that is that the kind of thing that's a possibility? And the only reason I see it as I guess is a possibility is because rosters expand in September, but uh, is any team I've seen it projected that, you know, that would only happen with a contender, um, and there are certainly a few contenders uh, who are interested in him. But in reality, is is why would a contender trust uh, entrust a regular spot to this guy? Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think it'll. I mean, a forty like a forty man slot, he'll probably have to get anyway because he'll probably sign a major league contract. Mm-hmm. And so, if he's on the forty man, that's the first uh, you know obstacle towards getting onto the twenty five man and, and to getting into the major leagues. Um, so you know. Maybe possible. Uh, you know, once the September rosters expand, even a contender could use um, a guy like him who could be a fifth, sixth outfielder in terms of uh, just using him in his platoon-friendly situations and, um, and and seeing what his defense is like as a defensive replacement. But there is a little bit too much of the unknown for a contender to really want to spend, uh, to use him in anything other than blowout. So, yeah, I think... Um, I think like an, a near team that's not a contender right now that might be a contender in the future, like you know, a Red Sox. You know, they've mm-hmm. they've been listed on the on the team on the list of teams. That would be ideal uh, in terms of you know a uh, team you know that could use him next year because he's going to be close to the major leagues. Does have the assets, the money um, to to spend on a guy that might not work out like this. So I, I you know maybe the. Maybe the Mets could get in on this. I don't know. I just um, it's a weird it's a weird situation for me because I don't see him as anything like Puig or Cespedes. And right, we've talked about how we think that his um, his upside is lower. So, but you know, the numbers that are being bandied about that are being talked about as as possible numbers for him are also high. So, um, maybe I that's think this is a really risk, risky one. I think people are copycatting too much and saying. Oh, it worked out for you know the last <laughs> four or five Cubans that we imported, so it's going to work out for this one. Yeah, it seems only to apply to like the really for some reason Castillo has found himself. There's been basically only two buckets of Cuban players. There's been guys who have totally flown under the radar, or guys who have gotten a lot of publicity, and Castillo somehow found himself in the in the latter bucket. And so maybe, but he's 26 years old already, so it's it's because the com- the combination of the fact that his production has been it's been okay. Uh, and, and a lot of it seems to be fueled by the batting average. 
because the power isn't quite like it was. It has been for for uh, Castillo. It hasn't been quite like, for instance, Puig's or Cespedes or Abreu. That uh, maybe the there's just a little too much uh, enthusiasm there. Yeah, for my liking, especially um, when we talked about like Clay Davenport's projections. Uh, certainly, they seem to me they seem a little harsh on him. But we, even then, we were talking something maybe in the neighborhood of a 260 average in a full course of a course of a full season and maybe 10 home runs and 20 stolen bases and or something like that. That's it's. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say. I think in terms of the. Um, the stolen bases, I think, but uh, that's you know that's basically supposed to be primarily what he offers is speed. So yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, and speed is one of those tools that um, can look nice for fancy guys, but uh, when it comes to like real baseball, uh, I have to feel like it's one of the lesser tools, um, and uh, and so that I think lowers his scene, it lowers his, his floor actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you're a one-tool guy and your one-tool is speed, um, it's hard to uh, contribute uh, in the real baseball sense, and so your your floor becomes lower because you might lose your job and become basically a fourth or fifth outfielder. I mean, um, I, I think of guys like uh, Jared Dyson who keeps struggling to make it. Um, you know, there's a lot more names that could come to mind, but if you think about the sort of speedy. Uh, the all-speed, uh, you know, backup defensive outfielder. Uh, that's that's uh, Castillo's floor, I think. Whatever happened to Joey Gathright? Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the Phillies are also. I just have to mention that they are considered a dark horse, and they have to be really close to contending next year. So, I'd love <laughs> love to. See, all right, never mind. Well, I mean. That's, <laughs> No, no, no. Let's not even. Let's not. They are the kind of team that that considers themselves close at all times. So, oh god, uh, and they <laughs> and they could use uh, talent on any level. And you know, they don't have a lot of talent in the minor leagues, so they can't you know necessarily rebuild very quickly. So, um, it might be it might be a good fit for them. Actually, I mean, you'd rather see them run Castillo out there than Sizemore. Yes, that is true. Yeah, but then again, I mean, for some reason, uh, they don't play Dominic Brown in favor of Sizemore to begin with, which makes no sense to me. Yeah. Okay, Garrett Cole back in the rotation. Finally, uh, made several starts in the minors in his rehab stint before he returned, and in his return, seven innings, five hits, two runs, four walks, six strikeouts. Uh, anything that you saw from the outing, and to me, look, it looked great. Uh, velocity was. Right back up there, uh, saw this was just based on the telecast, was consistently hitting 95, 94, 95, 95, 95, occasional 96, I think I saw, um, and just basing this purely on the looks. The stuff looked pretty good. He looked a little shaky in the first, but that was probably to be expected. Um, you know, it's and many guys look shaky in the first at times. Uh, overall, it looked like a really positive outing. Any reason to have doubts that maybe he, maybe he has kind of the stretch in the last five to six weeks? Uh, the fantasy owners were hoping for for the bounce of the season. Uh, one thing that didn't quite bounce back all the way was the uh, velocity on his breaking balls. Um, you know, the that was one thing that dropped precipitously in his last start before he went on the DL. He, he still hit 96 uh, with the fastball. He was still averaging 96 with the with the four seam in his last start, um, but uh, his breaking balls uh, dropped. 
uh, from 89 on the slider to 86, and from you know 85, 86 on the curve uh, to 80 below 84. So those two numbers did not quite bounce back um, in this last start. That's uh, something to think about, just because it is the most noticeable thing that happened right before his injury was his breaking balls both lost velocity. Um, but um, you know, in general, yes, I, I think it was good. Um, I, I still would like to see more breaking ball usage uh, from him, and uh, there was some of that before his injury. Um, and in general, I would say there's a slight general trend towards more breaking ball usage, but he hasn't been using the changeup that much at all this year, um, and I'd like to see him use that more. Uh, that's just me. I don't think that he cares about what I think, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, the, the you know after last year, uh, he basically instead of using, according to Brooks at least, he's not using a sinker this year, and he's gone to the four seam uh, and the other pitchers, which is weird for a, a Pittsburgh pitcher because usually uh, Pittsburgh pitchers uh, love their sinkers. So I don't know um, if that's necessarily true. Um, you know, because sometimes it's still hard to just differentiate even though brooks does a good job and tries to get into it it's still hard to differentiate between the four seam and the two seam the, the problem is that even the four seam has natural arm side uh, tail so just just throwing a fastball you know normally makes it go towards your arm side and uh, so picking out between the four seam and the sinker is just picking out degrees of how far it goes to your arm side um and so you know that's why it's hard to differentiate between the two. And uh, Garrett Cole did once tell me that uh, he wouldn't show me his grips, but he did tell me that um, he does something funky with his grips. So, you know, if you look at their at Brooks' description of his four seam and sinker, uh, his four seam is eight inches of arm side movement, and his sinker has eight point six inches of arm side movement. So, I have a feeling that he's still throwing his sinker on his four seam a lot and that uh, he's still not throwing his change slider and breaking ball that much. But, um, you know, I think that's a good sign for him long-term because he has these pitches that are good, uh, but he doesn't use them a lot. And then as he gets older, he'll just use them more um, as his fastball declines in velocity. So, you know, if you didn't, if you told him, if, you, if there was no shoulder incident, I would say this guy is, is set up pretty perfectly to, to, uh, to have good health outcomes. Yeah, and I, well, he returned us from a uh, lat strain, which is... Um, uh, it wasn't a shoulder thing? No, I think originally maybe it had some shoulder soreness or something very early in the season, so maybe the, I, I want to say, okay. um, but uh, this last one was a, was a strain of the lat, and which is in the back and is, I think, somehow tied to the shoulder, that kind of shoulder blade muscle or something, but... Uh, Nevertheless, I mean, at least that's it's... more of a muscle injury though than necessarily yeah. like a ligament or stuff. So right. that that's good news. And then also, you know, general good health uh, coming up, and and um, I think in college, and then also uh, good command, uh, good uh, mix of pitches across the board. No, uh, no pitch that he throws over twenty five percent of the time, um, other than his fastballs. Good ground ball rate. I mean, just in general, I like him a lot. And I think he's a very good dynasty asset, and I would trade for him, especially now if uh, someone thinks his value is lower. Yeah. Um, first of all, that says a lot because Eno doesn't like to acquire pitchers uh, in dynasty leagues. I think <laughs> that's, and I would, and I tend to agree. I think that, well, first of all, I agree with that philosophy in general. But Cole is one of the few 
types that I would probably uh, tend to target in them. And uh, the, just from what I noticed in the pitch effects data from me coming back, I don't, I didn't see really any noticeable drop. The the slider was a little uh, off, I guess, in terms of velocity, but the curve, I guess, uh, looked to be pretty much on par with what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, overall, definitely encouraging. And yeah, regardless, likely that's uh, relative to anybody else. I mean, I, I think that Cole's absence this season was, um, in terms of what we, how we see other pitchers who come back, uh, and sometimes we, we probably wonder if they come back too soon. Like this was definitely a very cautionary absence, I think, and uh, uh, certainly overall, I wouldn't be too worried about him at, um, at, for rest of season, and certainly perhaps in uh, for future years for a while. You mean sort of the they just took it you know, kid gloves sort of approach with him to make sure he was good for a good long time and sort of thing. Yeah. And because, uh, when he made his first couple of rehab starts, they, they specifically Clint hurdle was citing, uh, some things. There was probably directions from management basically having to do with Cole's, uh, workload and how they had, they kind of indicated or suggested that they wanted him to work on some things, uh, and that they wanted to see him hit a certain number of pitches before they brought him back. It wasn't going to be, simply, okay, he's healthy, he's going to make a rehab starter too and be back because uh, as long as he demonstrates that he's healthy. There was, there was just, uh, there was consistently some, uh, and, and probably excessive downtime in comparison to the way other pitchers are handled. Mm, I believe it. Oakland debated removing Jason Hamill from their rotation uh, recently. They, they finally, they this uh, came out on Tuesday that they were going to skip his next turn, so he's not going to pitch this week. Um, but obviously he has struggled a bit. His last turn against the Braves did not go well. I think he gave up like four or five runs in five innings. Um, and that in general, that series was perhaps kind of a, a rejuvenation of the Braves offense. So maybe a little unfair to judge him. And he had pitched well in his previous two starts. Uh, but Hamill overall, obviously the numbers are not very good since he has joined the A's. This strikes me, though, as a little odd that the A's actually consider removing him from the rotation, I think. And I, I can't help but think primarily this is due to... Originally, I see this news and I think, okay, they're really having second thoughts about the acquisition of Hamill. Um, but the reason that I see it now, basically this lines up the A's so that Sonny Gray, John Lester, and Scott Casimir face the Angels this season. That's obviously... Or this weekend. That's obviously a very important series. Uh, considering the way the standings look at this moment, but I think the A's are a game behind the Halos uh, in the AL West. And so I can't help but think that uh, this is more so, I mean, obviously Hamill has not pitched well, and it suggests that they don't have a great deal of confidence in him facing a top-tier opponent, or top-tier offense at least. Um, But this, uh, I, I don't, I would imagine that this is probably not necessarily condemnation of his rotation spot in the future. Well, Jesse Chavez hasn't pitched much better. <clears throat> you could say that maybe Drew Pomerantz can get back in the story here. Um, but Drew Pomerantz is like a true two-pitch pitcher. I mean, I he doesn't even, you know, have a show-me change. So, uh, you know, one thing I noticed with Jason Hamill is that he's kind of doubled his changeup usage uh, since he came to the to the uh, A's. And A's are big on their changeup uh, usage in general. Um, so that's... That's one thing that you know, and it's one thing that um, that Hamill hasn't been doing uh, for a while. I mean, he, he's not a big changeup guy, and, and for most of the season, he left the changeup in his back pocket until he got to Oakland. 
Um, and since he got to Oakland, he's had you know one game where one out of every five pitches he threw was a changeup. So um, I don't know if that was a mistake in the in the um, in the or no, did I get that wrong? No, he never got up to one out of five. But you know he had thirteen, ten percent, eleven percent, twelve percent. So he's had these bigger games. He hasn't had those all year. So he's been throwing the changeup more, and it's not traditionally thought of as a very good pitch. I mean that's why he's mostly known as a fastball slider guy. Um, and he looks like he's looking for something to get through the order more often in general. I mean, uh, he's had spikes in his curveball usage. Uh, he's had his slider go down. In general, his pitching mix has gotten very erratic since he's gotten to Oakland. It's very, it's very uh, interesting to look at his Brooks page, which has had high slider usage all year, around 40% all year, and then have it dip right when he gets to Oakland and start you know, jumping all over the place. So. I think Hamill's looking for it, um, and it's not really working because with the uh, athletics, his swing strike rate is, is down from 11% to 6%. Um, but if you look you know, across Hamill's past, there are times he's had like this. He's had full seasons of 7% whiff percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had full seasons of a five, uh, five strikeouts per nine. So um, he's obviously a, a borderline guy. Uh, that was having a good season that they were hoping would continue it with their team, and I don't think that necessarily um, either he is or 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 he'll he'll find something. But um, in general, uh, I'm not rushing to pick up Pomerantz. I'm not. Uh, I don't think Jesse Chavez has the innings um, or the ability right now to to step in. So um, if you're in a deep league, I'd hold on to Hamill. If you're in a mixed league, I don't think you need to own Hamill. Yeah, I think so. What struck me, what struck me is since he's joined the A's, is that there seems to be. This seemed to be a trend with him, uh, with the Cubs period. Um, but this trade-off seemed to be the slider. But there was just there's just been significantly less usage of the two-seamer, or at least uh, according to the game logs and the pitch effects data uh, on Fangraphs. And I, I, that's always been kind of a key second pitch for him. Obviously, the slider has been really effective for him this season. But also, it just it seems strange to me too if the A's, um, considering how much they analyze things. Like the uh, like this, I would imagine that uh, they would have to have been at least somewhat aware that the sl- he was basically selling out with the slider, which is something that you'd mentioned before, and uh, that was kind of a big key to his success. And if they're riding him for rest of season and into playoffs, and uh, he's a free agent after this season, and not really caring about what happens after that, yeah, just throw the slider. Yeah, I, it'd be strange to me to get him to change with. <laughs> more changeups. Um, so I think that's it, it's a strange it's a strange situation. Uh, it could just be what he's doing on his own. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, the thing that's different. One thing that's different about uh, American League lineups is not only that the DH is a better hitter than the, than the uh, pitcher. It's that you it's harder to get through the lineup. Like so that extends the the amount of hitters that you have to face and you have to get through. So you have to show them multiple pitches to get through the same amount of you you have to basically show more looks to get through the same amount of batters in the AL than the NL. And so, you know, he's probably throwing more changeups because once he gets to the third time through the order, um, you know, it's earlier in the game and he you know, he wants to make it to five innings or whatever, or the team wants him to make it to five innings and so, you know, it may not be that they're telling him to do that. It may just be he's facing better more better hitters and is therefore breaking out the change more often. But um you know, maybe they'll do something where they piggyback him. They get, you know, Jesse Chavez kind of, you know, keep him on light workload so that he can give him two innings on days that Hamill starts. And maybe they just, 
leave Hamlin for three innings, bring Chavez in for two. That'll be the worst case scenario for um, the A's. But then I think you'll probably also see Pomerantz come up in September when the rosters expand, and then you'll really see some piggybacking where that, that fifth start becomes a, uh, a Hatche Hatche Pomerantz, Hatche Rantz, Hatche Rantz start. So, um, I think, know, I, I think they'll just find a way to, to – I mean, they're in better shape. Honestly, they're in better shape with Hamill, Pomerantz, and Chavez um, in that five slot than the A's are right now. I mean, you know – I mean, the Angels are right now. I mean, the uh, the Angels, you know, just – you know, Garrett Richards had a great season, and, um, you know, it, he, it was really nice to watch. And it was, it's really interesting that he hurt his knee that because – the only thing I was worried about recently was that he was kind of pitching backwards off the slider almost. I mean, he, his slider usage was up past 30% recently. Um, but, um, you know, the Angels now have Hector Santiago in the fourth slot, which, you know, you know, if you gun to their head, they probably admit they didn't, they wanted him in the sort of five, six slot. Um, and now they've got uh, Wade LeBlanc. <laughs> somebody named Drew Rusinski, who I know nothing about, so I won't even tell you about it. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think that, uh, they, I think that they right now are out there looking in the sort of non-waiver or the sort of for, you know, the, the, the waiver trade area. So I know that John Neese cleared waivers. Um, that would take, that would take an actual piece, I think, to get John Neese. Mm -hmm. John Neese is under contract on a team friendly contract for a while. And I think the Mets would give him up, um, you know, I, I, I don't even think that Crone would be enough. I mean, Crone and Green, uh, maybe they could put something together around them. Um, maybe they give up an actual outfielder that they, that they you know, that's playing. I don't know. There's um, that one seems hard. Bartolo Colon could pass through waivers just because you know, twelve million dollars next year. It's not super easy for every team to just you know block that and swallow it. But um, he's on bereavement leave also. It's hard, and he's tending to his sick mother, so it's hard to say when he'd be even returning. He might be kind of out of the. I would. I, I think it's once I saw that news, I thought it was even possible that uh, Cologne might be, given where the Mets were. I, I just from having covered him, I think um, I think that he's uh, he's not always there when the team's not competing. You know. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, there were times last year when, in, in, with the A's where he could have been an asset out of the bullpen and chose not to be is, is how I put it. Um, so, you know, things sometimes have to go on Bartolo's, um, uh, time frame and, and, and in his favor. And I think if he got, you know, traded to a contender, um, you know, he would, uh, stop caring about his mom. Okay. No, I'd call her. <laughs> <laughs> Caller from wherever the Angels were playing. I don't know. I don't want. I hate to do. I'm not an amateur psychologist. I'm just saying. No, I know. I don't think this will stand in the way okay. too much of a trade. I mean, this is something that to that a GM could to, could ask. You know, like yeah. you know, but uh, he would be easier to acquire. But he'd also be easier to block. So, and mm -hmm. and Nice is already out there. So, I, I mean, they're gonna do something. They're gonna, and, and it might be something funny where where it'll just be like. You know, signing Brad Penny, something, something along those lines. Where we're like, oh, that guy's still pitching. Um, but <laughs> he's they're with, gonna the, he's with the Marlins right now, and they they fancy themselves uh, dark horse wild card contender, wild card contenders. Of course, they're also using kind of a six man rotation right now. So, actually, I want to do something to uh, 
me see. MLBTradeRumors.com real quick. Because I think they actually have a list of... Uh, <clears throat> they do. They have free agent list uh, for this year still open. Um, so let's see what's out there for them. Joe Blanton. <laughs> nice. um, I think he officially retired. Oh, okay. Well, they, they don't have him to kick around anymore. <laughs> uh, Wandy Rodriguez, um, Randy Wolf, that uh, might work. Cito. Ooh, that might not work. <laughs> I can see Wolf working. Basically, they're looking for the type of deal that the Dodgers pulled off uh, twice already with uh, Kevin Correa. Yes. With uh, maybe the Twins are the where where you start looking. Pelfrey. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh God. Pelfrey, why'd you retire? <laughs> or did what? What happened with Pelfrey? He's, he's just out for the rest of the season. So, Pelfrey Dynasty owners, don't panic. Eno's giving you false information. <laughs> Is there a one Pelfrey dynasty? <laughs> yeah, it's in those. Uh, what's to call it? The ba- the leagues where you try to do as badly as possible. Ah, uh, yes, the bizarre one. Yeah. So the Angels have options. They don't sound very attractive unless they can pull off something for Nice. Yeah, I mean Cologne would be good too. I I, I, would, I would take him as a as a five starter. You know, I would definitely yeah. take. Oh him. yeah, no, that that could definitely work too. And you say like you you were saying that Cologne would be uh, easier to block. I would think that he would be less tempting to block though, wouldn't he? Because like Nice, you have to right. give up a piece for. Maybe in reverse, whereas like another team would actually have interest in. Uh, and what's funny is that um, <clears throat> there's an outside chance that if someone blocked, uh, uh, tried to block Watola Cologne by by claiming him. That the Mets would just say, "Okay, thanks." Yeah, yeah, that's you know? <laughs> kind of what I was thinking. Like, you take that, those twelve million dollars, and uh, we'll spend them somewhere else next year. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that could be a certain possibility. And everybody knows that nothing good happens when you block your colon. So, <laughs> yes, yes, classic. Well, uh, the good news is that um, the the A's. Uh, they have options, and uh, like you said, I mean, anything that they turn, if they turn something in that fifth rotation spot into uh, some kind of mutation of Hamill, Chavez, and Pomeranz, it'd be, and it's, I think it was important also that you, you left, the last part of that had to be Ans just to get the Arans in there. It can't be, it couldn't be Pom at the beginning or anything like that. I agree. Uh, Jesse Hahn was optioned by the Padres. And uh, we, we basically just an opportunity to mention that because we talked about the possibility that he would be uh, capped as far as his innings go. And he's about 43 innings ahead of last season's pace uh, or about 45, actually, or 40, about 40 innings ahead of last season's pace. That seems about the right time. I mean, it sounds like they're going to give him occasional work on the, in the minors, but at, I would assume – when, they, when a team does something like this, do they even call him up when rosters expand, or is he going to be in like a bullpen role? Because I haven't seen anything about that. How would you handle a pitcher like that? I mean, regardless, he's lost fantasy value rest of season. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shocked. I don't know how this happened. I guess he, he actually pitched some in the minor leagues. Uh, he's up to 110. Mm-hmm. And, and he, 60... told me 100, he told me 120. Okay. That's, he told me his cat was 120, so I feel like um, <clears throat> he might have two starts left in him. And even if they change him to the bullpen, 10 innings is, you know, it, it's not going to be, it's probably not going to be saves, you know. And they probably would rather he started to use all his, you know, in order to use all his pitches and, and have the starter mentality. So 
I think he probably has about three starts left, uh, tops. Um, and if he's in the minor leagues and he makes one of those in the minor leagues, you're talking about two starts in the major leagues, don't hold on to him. Mm. Don't hold on to him. And I think what the nice, the nice bit of news that if you're looking for something to pick up is that maybe Matt Whistler, uh gets a shot this year uh, at some innings. Um, Whistler himself, uh, you know, has 139 innings, but he managed to do 136 last year. So I think he can pitch the rest of the way. He's had a hard time in El Paso um, or Tucson or wherever. I think it's El Paso. Um, but it's been all homers. Uh, yes, there's been a drop in the strikeout rate, but he's been working on some stuff. So I think um, <clears throat> I think Matt, uh, Whistler could come up uh, and, and do something interesting um, for the Padres. I'm not sure that he'd rise above sort of mixed league uh, spot starter. Um, uh, but uh, there's also... Um, you know, I guess Robbie Erlin mm-hmm. is healthy, and he could come back up again. And uh, Andrew Kashner is back, uh, so you got to you got to make sure to pick him up if he's out there. Yes, yes, absolutely. Padres never short of arms that will that will intrigue us at least. Thank you. And uh, Ubaldo Jimenez to the bullpen. Uh, Orioles finally made that decision a couple of days ago. Uh, hurrah, I guess for us and for them because now he doesn't even really appear in your starting pitcher list. Hopefully. And a replacement for Jack Edwin Jackson uh, in Chicago. Um, he has supposedly has a lat strain. He might just be ha- he might just have the uh, six ERA injury. Uh, but and it's the Cubs who are maybe just looking at their other options. He is under contract for another year or two at least uh, with for a relatively good amount of money. And that's sad for Cubs fans. But um, I mean, is there any is there any potential replacement? I, I got to think that this is this might even be a rest of season thing, unless the potential replacements don't look, uh, look terrible. Also, but we have already Kyle Hendricks up and Tsuyoshi Wada. We talked about briefly. I mean, this would be probably surely for deep leagues. His only is you know a Dallas Beeler. He was a guy who almost intrigued us kind of in NL only leagues. And then, yeah, I guess uh, Felix Dubron could get back at some point. Ah, that's what. Yeah, I forgot that. That's a, that's an. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And uh, we talked about him being a guy that would have a hard time convincing us to have interest in him ever again. But maybe in the National League, it's slightly yeah, more interesting. You know, Dan, Dan Straley went down, um, but he could come back up. I don't know. Uh, the one thing that uh, I haven't seen out of Straley this year is command. Yeah. Um, and it's really bizarre because uh, that's always you know, been his strength. Yeah, all the way up through the athletics, um, he had to sub uh, three three walks per nine, sub ten percent walk rate, and then all of a sudden this year, um, you know, everywhere his command is gone. But uh, in Cubs AAA, uh, his strikeout rate and, and walk rate are back to you know almost where they were in the past. So. Um, you know, if he could get another chance. And the nice thing is that his uh, his swing strike rate uh, this year has remained good and uh, was good in his one start with the Cubs. It was good with his uh, seven starts uh, with the A's. So, um, you know, the swing strike rate is, is a beautiful thing. You need to get them to miss. If you can get them to miss and you can locate, um, it almost doesn't matter to me what your velocity is. So um, that's, I mean, you Think about Wada right now. Wada has those two skills. He, he can get them to miss, and, and he can locate. He has absolutely no fastball at 87. Think about Michael Fires. So uh, I like the swing strike rate. I think Dan Straley is the name to watch in this situation. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I mean, if there's going to be a pitcher with upside there, it'll probably be with Straley. I wouldn't be optimistic rest of the season. I'd like to 
like to see uh, a nice off season for him, uh, and hopefully see him bounce back. Because uh, I mean, the velocity has kind of been back and forth. It's kind of fluctuated between eighty seven and eighty nine, and it's so it's not great. But yeah, he consistently gets guys to swing and miss, uh, and that's that's obviously a skill we want. You know, and I've had some people say that they think that um, that Edwin Jackson is a you know anti anti dips guy, and that you know. Here's a guy who strikes a bunch of people out, but uh, you know can't um, you know can't show a good ERA. But uh, I would say I'm not so sure about that. I mean, his career FIP is 4.22, his career ERA is 4.61. That's not a really big difference. Um, and if you want to talk about his strikeouts this year, he's got eight per nine or whatever. But if you look at, he's got such a high walk rate that that eight per nine is misleading. If you look at his uh, strikeout percentage minus his walk percentage. Uh, he's got 19.8 strikeout percentage, 9.8 walk percentage. If you subtract those two, it's 10%. Uh, average is 12%. So he's basically, by strikeouts and walks, he's below average. Um, so you've got a below average guy by strikeouts and minus walks. He's not getting any help from his uh, batting average on balls in play, but also never has. Um, he has given up a 312 Babbitt for his career. Um, and is having a homer problem like he always has. He's always had a homer problem. And uh, it is a little bit to do with his uh, with his pitching mix. I mean, um, you know, his career uh, FIP against um, against lefties and righties is uh, is actually they're both 420, but uh, he gets there in a much different way. He gives up a lot more homers uh, to righties, and he and he strikes more righties out, and he just walks every lefty he sees. So. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think uh, in general, he's not as good as strikeouts per nine make him look. <clears throat> and, um, you know, there's obviously there's something more there. And I don't think that dips theory is is, uh, you know, irreproachable or whatever. I definitely think that we've learned a lot about um, the way, you know, pitchers can induce different kinds of contact. But um I don't think that Edwin Jackson is, you know, an indictment of FIP. <laughs> I think Edwin Jackson is just an indictment of Edwin Jackson. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin Quackenbush picks up his first career save on Wednesday. And the reason this might be significant, besides the fact that he picked up a save and he's kind of been this, I don't want to call him a closer in waiting, but as a guy who would potentially be a closer in waiting should the Padres move Joaquin Benoit also. Uh, but... Benoit has the cranky shoulder that he's had since um, sometime early last week, uh, and or actually, well, he hasn't he hasn't pitched in a week, and uh, there's now this kind of floated rumor that he may need a dis- disabled list. And there's really no reason for the Padres, if they're concerned at all, uh, to to risk him or to, to or to continue running him out there or anything like that. Uh, Quackenbush. Does he look like a closer? When I look at Quackenbush, it's interesting to me. Like, uh, I mean, ground ball rate is nice. Doesn't have. Uh, I mean, he has the velocity, and that's good. Uh, and then I look at the. I look at kind of the results of his pitches, and I see, and I'm like, oh well, this you know, the pitch effects and things like that. And I say, well, you know, it doesn't look like. I'm not struck uh, by any of his pitches where I say, oh, these are these look, these look fantastic. Uh, but I did notice uh, that it seems like is he has a fastball that's kind of has just a lot of natural cut to it. So, um, he's, maybe he's interesting not to say in a, in a kind of Mariano Rivera, Rivera way, but in a, 
very, very poor version of that or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got a actually legit four-pitch mix for, uh, for a reliever. Uh, <clears throat> he doesn't use his secondary pitches a lot. Uh, it is a lot of that four-seamer with, uh, yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's definitely not, um, I wouldn't go so far as to call it cut, but it doesn't, it doesn't go as far arm side as most, uh, most fastballs do. Um, uh, so that's probably perceived as a little bit of cut. And then, um, you know, when he does throw uh, the, uh, change in slider, they both have above average whiff rates. Um, and the curve is about an average pitch. And, you know, between those, uh, four pitches, he's got 92 miles an hour, 85 miles an hour, 83 miles an hour, and, and 77 miles an hour. So <clears throat> it's a good amount of, uh, of, of mix in that way. And, um, you know, he's just uh, been getting the best results recently. So I don't think that, uh, you know, and they're kind of a reliever male. They don't care. If Quackenbush does well for them for a couple of years, they'll trade him off. Um, so they might as well, you know, let him get, you know, saves. And I, I don't think they're they're so worried about that because they're, they're not the kind of people that want to bank on, uh, you know, any one reliever for a few years. They'll just trade him away again. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's had, he's had really good, uh, control throughout the minor leagues. The strikeouts have been high. I would presume that's primarily because uh, velocity has always been on his side, and and minor league hitters have a har- much harder time keeping up with the velocity than major league hitters. But uh, whereas it's just weaker contact in ter- for Quackenbush, I would say. Yeah, you know the the zips rest of season is uh, has him with a four point one walk rate um, per nine. And I think that's uh, that's overreacting to 34 innings in AAA where he had a bad walk rate. Because if you look across the rest of his career, he had a good walk rate. Yeah, and that was probably, I mean, that's in the PCL. And then also, I mean, that he seemed to get on that quite a bit uh, this season in his short stint in the minor leagues. So. Yeah, he immediately cut it, his walk rate in half. So uh, I, I think that he could even, you know, judging from the fact that uh, you know, other than that five, uh, he had a he had a one stint with a three point four. Otherwise, he's been sub three. I, I think he can continue the the walk rate he's got. Yeah. Um, it's not a great swing strike rate, but you have to remember that uh, with the guys that throw the fastball a lot and have an above average whiff rate on their fastball, which he does, he has an eight uh, percent whiff rate on his fastball, eight point three. Uh, that oh, yeah, that's pretty good. He's getting he's getting more of his whiffs on the bulk pitches, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no. So, you know, he's not, I guess that doesn't matter when you're looking at overall swing strike rate, but just in terms of how sustainable it is, it's basically like his best pitch is the pitch he throws the most and he's getting a bunch of whiffs on it. So it's not that he's getting whiffs on some sort of um, gimmick pitch or something. It's just, just the you know, something about his fastball is hard on, on major league pitchers. And so, you know that's good. You yeah. know it's it's a sustainable thing, probably. I would say. Yeah, and he has a cool name. So yeah, I mean he's <laughs> exactly. and a good beard. <laughs> yeah, I, I would always agree. like their good beards there. Thayer, I think you know if we are going to play the years of control thing, um, I think that Thayer is probably closer to being um, no longer under team control. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, he was. He's he's got to be. I mean, they're. I think the Padres have to, at this point, they're looking at younger pitchers to kind of recycle through that uh, seventh and eighth inning. Yeah. 
couple of injuries we talked about Garrett Garrett Richards with the patellar tendon injury severity is unknown but it's uh, it looked pretty bad when I saw it uh I, I think it's there's a good chance that he's out for the rest of the season that's a pretty pretty tough blow for folks uh for a pitcher who has been obviously a real breakout candidate and you might consider a dark horse for the Cy Young Award even until that happened um <clears throat> Charlie Morton, uh, sports hernia is what the diagnosis is for him now. I think originally it was something like groin strain or something. That uh, anyway, uh, he's he's now. I mean, I would I would think that that rules him out for the rest of the season. It's a good thing for the Bucks that uh, Garrett Cole is back. Uh, well, I, I think that they said that he can come back. Yes. Well, they said I think it's a good idea if he's out for the rest of the season. <laughs> Considering <laughs> that, this... depending on how painful descriptions of hernias sound, I mean, there's. There's like, you know, rips and, and things happening, like parts of your body are in places that they're not supposed to be. Well, we've seen like, I mean, an injury like this, it doesn't necessarily affect performance, but uh, Morton has never had the best control. And yeah, and, you know, A.J. Burnett has a hernia right now right. that he's pitching through. So um, and he's older, so it's not exactly the same thing. But uh, I think, it, it, you know, the, the delivery is a very pre- not precise, but it's a very it's a tough Thing to keep in place and so um you know when you have a when you have a hernia like that it's even harder to keep all your body parts in the right place yeah morton's morton's delivery has been was you know overhauled about two two and a half years ago and that's so basically not to say that he hasn't mastered it at this point but it's not exactly um it's not something he's been doing his whole life so right yeah yeah michael kadire uh Congratulations to him in his first game, uh, his first day back. Uh, he played in a doubleheader and ended up with a sore hamstring. Sounds like he'll be back in the lineup for the Rockies on Friday. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, <laughs> at least at least it doesn't sound like a long-term thing. Uh, Justin Verlander, shoulder inflammation, uh, two bullpen sessions. Both of them apparently went well enough, and he'll miss only no. one start. I think Verlander's actually pretty interesting. He's been coming up um, in my chats and online and stuff. It, you know, it, it's gotten to the point not, where... Not related to Kate Upton, I'm assuming? No, no. Um, although, you know, there was that him flipping the ball to her. <laughs> it's gotten to the point where, um, you know, I think there's actually maybe some arbitrage opportunity here. Um, you know, people were asking me, should I pick him up off of waivers? And... That's really far down for a guy like Verlander. You know what I mean? That's that's to the point where, yeah, yeah, I think you should. You know, like, I, why not? You know, maybe these two weeks off finally give him the chance to, to get that, you know, that core situation figured out that he, you know, had some problems with. Um, and and uh, because if you if you told me, you know, without telling me the name, I've got a guy who throws, uh, who sits 92, 93, uh, has a legit uh, curveball, great change, uh, good slider, um, you know, and, um, and and even this year is showing good command, or, or at least decent command, but above average command, um, and uh, even this year has uh, has league average strikeout rate. I'd say, you know, and he's and he's got a good team behind him. And uh, he's got a decent home park. I'd say, yeah, try try him out. And then if you tell me that's Justin Verlander, I say, look at the rest of his baseball card. And I know that you know I'm not. It's not an appeal to authority or just saying Justin Verlander will be Justin Verlander. Every pitcher has lost years, and he's obviously hurt and stuff. But at this point, if it's you know the other the other one I heard was would I would I trade Michael Fires for him? Yes, 
I would trade Michael Fires for Justin Verlander. You know what I mean? I think on some level you got to just, you know, if you're not giving up a lot of risk, you know what the upside looks like. Um, so, uh, and, and he's and he's made sort of drastic changes in seasons before too. So, That's just, I, just, I, I got to tell you, I mean, I'm not. I think it's. I don't think it's bold to trade fire. I mean, I, I guess I should say that. I mean, I don't think your declaration is is uh, is a condemnation or it, is a, it isn't bold. Uh, but yeah, like I, I mean, to trade fires for it's just yeah, and that. I think you bringing this up alone says, you know what, maybe I, I'm a little too quickly, uh, too quick to dismiss Verlander the rest of the season, but I'm still like, yeah, okay, pick him up. I, I can understand that. I think I, I would be so worried. Like, I wouldn't want to put him in my lineup. Yeah. I, I'm I'm terrible with pitchers like that. It's hard for me to know. Um, but I guess, uh, yeah. This if, is, this, this if is he has, the situation. Yeah. Like you said, if he, if he had, but I mean, you really don't know, and now, like you said, if if the two weeks off have done him good, it's not quite two weeks though. I mean, he basically misses start. It's going to be like about ten days. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know what's adequate time, but like you said, I mean, the the core injury and the surgery that he had, uh, maybe, and he came back from that too quickly. And there's a lot. There was just there's a lot of things potentially going on, uh, and he may have been compensating for soreness and not necessarily an injury. Yeah, there's that's convinced me. Um, and I would be, and I. I, you know, two minutes before you said that, I would have been like, "Man, there's just no way I really want this guy." But yeah, th- there's a possibility. It's, it's better. Great. It's better to own him now when he because he comes back and he has a great start. Then you're He's gone. Yeah, it is the one situation where I tell people most of the time, you know, when a guy is coming back, I, I throw him. I don't care unless I heard some, you know, some weird things, you know, in his comeback, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the one situation where I would pick him up and leave him on my bench. Yeah, I would yep. leave him on my bench and, you know, hope that lightning hits and maybe it hits before the, the trade deadline and all of a sudden he has trade value. I mean, this is the kind of guy who will go from, you know, 75% owned to 100% owned if he has a good start. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, that's, that's, that's something I'd get out in front of, you know, why not? Yeah. The guy. One of the questions was, "I'm uh, I'm going to be in the playoffs. There's nothing for me to play for in the next couple of weeks. Who should I pick up off this list of players? Right? And <laughs> on that list of players was Verlander and Bailey. And I was like, Verlander and Bailey. <laughs> pick up the guys who could be two aces for you. And if if not, then there'll always be some sort of fires like guy around later. Yeah. There's certainly yeah. There'll be some spot starters. Rosters will have expanded. Uh, you know. Yeah, there'll be there'll be some interesting. Maybe a Meyer, Alex Meyer comes up to, to do a start for the Twins or something. There'll always be you know an interesting guy who can be interesting. But you know, is there, was there a guy on the list that was Verlander or Bailey? No. Yeah. Excellent points. I think excellent advice overall. I appreciate you convincing me of that. And uh, final injury notes: Jacob Degrom. Uh, again, a favorite of the podcast. He will be back on Sunday or Saturday, excuse me, uh, returning from shoulder soreness. And um, good news. Uh, we we knew that he had an innings cap of about 185. And this, do you think that this, just uh, the, the only question I'll have for you on him is, uh, I, I'm not sure. I would assume that this is the case because he's capped at 185 innings, but he, he missed about two weeks with a disabled list stint. Basically, they can kind of let him go. Maybe he, yeah. So. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say that. I think that uh, uh, I think that he he's basically good to go for the rest of the season if his health allows him. So cool, you know. And, and you know, for what's worth, the one uh, the one thing I didn't sort of cover in my piece on him today um, 
uh, was, you know, what uh, could change in the future and to, to make him even better. Uh, because he's changed a lot, and that's, I think, why we sort of missed uh, his upside, was that um, he's never been this pitcher before. I mean, he's never had uh, <clears throat> the curveball the way it is right now. He's never had uh, a hard slider the way that it is right now. And so he's never had this collection of pitches with this amount of refinement ever before. So he, he didn't have these abilities that he had now in the minor leagues. And if he went back to the minor leagues, he would strike out a lot of people, I think. So, um, you know, I think uh, we, what we've got is a guy who, who just put it all together in the big leagues and um, was always interesting because he has great command, great velocity, uh, and a great changeup. But now he has a great curveball. And what he thinks is left to, to improve is, A, um, get a better mastery of that slider. Um, it's now 87, 88 instead of 84, 85. Um, and I think he's right that that gives him um, 93, 88, 84, and uh, 79. So that gives him a real nice um, difference in velocities, uh, different movements. Um, and the slider acts a little bit more like a cut fastball now, but it might really work for him. And the other thing that he can work on is command. Even though he has better than average walk rate right now, um, in the minor leagues, he's had some great seasons. Um, I mean, some just outstanding seasons when it comes to walking guys. So, and he's told me that this, he's walked more guys this year than he ever has. And he's right. So, um, I think as you see his command get better, as he gets more used to his new, um, his new repertoire, basically, um, you know, I don't necessarily think he's going to do much better, but I think he'll fight some of the regression, uh, that you would expect out of a guy like this. So I think he might be a true talent low threes uh era guy with a with almost uh with you know sort of eight strikeouts per nine and uh you know a decent ground ball rate so i think that's a very nice safe nl pitcher uh guy i would look to draft next year um as a number two number three guy yeah and but because Degrom doesn't have that uh, the name the the name type pedigree at least in recent seasons, uh, there might be a, a, a fair bit of dismissal. I mean, there, it could be a guy you can get at a discount where he ends up being your two or three, but is maybe costs you around four or five. It'll be interesting to see what his draft stock look like next season. I think certainly a guy I would be willing to invest in. And maybe I, I could be I could be wrong in the draft stock. Maybe people like him uh, way more than I realize. Uh, but uh, I haven't uh, I. I until this season, uh, I think the like for him uh, was pretty low, or pre- uh, and he was kind of an unknown, I guess. That's going to do it for this edition of The Sleeper and the Bust. We do have, again, we've talked about a few requested topics that we're really looking forward to getting to, perhaps in the coming episodes, very, very close around the corner. Uh, but uh, we do appreciate everyone's listenership through this portion of the season and uh this has been another good one you know thank you very much again for joining us and sharing some of your wisdom i'm off to get shorn (laughs) ah well enjoy that my friend enjoy that Uh, again this has been episode number 157 of the sleeper and the bust thank you and have a good day (laughs) 